welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. series starting today called, as you saw, Multiply, Disruption, and, and like I said earlier, uh, we've, we've come a long ways in a year. I mean, do you remember where we were this time last year? So much has changed in our world, so much has changed in our church, and so many of us are just waiting to get back to some semblance of normalcy and, and to get back to an old normal or to get to a new normal. But like I said earlier, what if God doesn't want normal for us? What if he wants something more? What if we, he wants something better and greater? And so if this interruption is actually a divine disruption, maybe instead of trying to minimize it, we need to multiply it. And we're going to talk about that over the course of this next month, leading into Easter, leading into Resurrection Sunday, where we're going to just celebrate our resurrected Lord. But we're going to do that all through this series in the book of Haggai. And you might be saying, Haggai? I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon out of Haggai. Where is Haggai? Uh, This is a, a small prophetic book in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament. And, uh, and we're going to go through every verse uh, over the next month or, so, or few five weeks as we go through this series. And, and in particular today, we're talking about disrupting your dreams, disrupting your dreams and, and what God is trying to do there for us individually, but for us corporately as a church and how he's doing that and how we should press into that. When I was growing up, I had a recurring dream uh, that I still remember to this day, obviously. Uh, but it was a dream of me with a group of people in a conversion van. Do you think like 80s conversion van, like A-team, uh, a van like that? And the van had two steering wheels. And I loved it because I was in the second steering wheel. And, and guys, I, I love driving. Uh, and I'd always, I'd always wanted, wanted to drive growing up, loved it. Um, always wanted a power wheel growing up, never got one of those, mom and dad. Uh, you still have time. <laughs> uh, but I, so I had this recurring dream of this van with two steering wheels where I was driving the van. And it was like a party van. And, uh, and it, it, I think it was just tapping into my desires, right, of, of really just wanting to drive and have fun doing that. Well, guys, the, the thing is, when I started driving, and, and it was no longer a dream but a reality, it was so much better than that dream. One, because there's only one steering wheel, and I was in control of it. Uh, two, I, could, I, I realized that uh, I just really actually loved driving. Before, it was just a dream. It was a pipe dream. It was something that I thought I would love, but then it became a reality, and it became something I actually really loved. So fast forward years and years ahead of time, when uh, I went to Germany and was able to drive on the Autobahn, I mean, talk about a dream come true where you can just go as fast as you want, any, <laughs> any speed you want. And it was just so amazing. And that reality actually became greater than that dream. 
that reality actually became greater than that dream. And that's the bottom line for today. If you don't remember anything else from today, I want you to remember that God's reality is greater than your dreams. God's reality is greater than your dreams. What are you holding on to that is a dream of yours that God is trying to disrupt? What are you holding on to in, in the church and in your understanding of church and in our church, Trinity to Life Church? What are you holding on to that is good and that is, is a dream and maybe even a part of the reality of that dream that, that God is trying to disrupt for a greater reality, for his reality? Guys, we're, we're in this pandemic. We just came through this entire pandemic. And for a lot of us, We've been awakened to where we put our security, where we put our trust, where we put our comfort, where we put um, our, uh, our hope and our peace. And a lot of those things were disrupted. And now we're saying, uh, we're saying God, uh, what, what do we do? Do we just go back to old normal? Are we just trying to get back to that with masks on now? Or is there something more? Is there something greater you have for us? That's this whole series, guys. That's what we're talking about uh, today in Disrupt Your Dreams. And as we go into this book, just want to note that Haggai's name is a, is a festal name. His, his name has festal, uh, festive, celebratory connotations to it. And, and as you think about the festivals in, in the Hebrew scriptures in the Bible, they were meant to point us back to remember God's goodness, to remember what he's done for us, right? Uh, but then they weren't to leave us there. They were also meant to push us forward. They're also meant to steward us into the next season, to, to push us into the next thing, because we saw and remembered God's goodness back there, and now we say he's going to do more of that. And that's where we are as a church right now. We've seen God's goodness, guys. We're seven years old as a church. We've seen so many good things uh, as a church. As Miss and I started talking about this morning uh, in our journey as a church, we've seen so many good things, but God wants more. God wants better. God wants greater. And, and for me and our leadership team, we're saying, our hands are open, God. So give us your reality. Because we can even dream big enough to get to your reality. Give us your reality. So... In this, in, in this book, Haggai, let's, let's jump in here. In verse 1 of chapter 1, it says, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day, the word of the Lord, the Lord there, uh, I say this all the time, uh, but the, the Lord there is in all caps in your Bibles, in your English Bibles, which means this is Yahweh. This is his personal name. This is his intimate name. God is God is intimately with the people here is intimately with us he's personal we can hear from him and obey him so the word of the lord came by the hand of haggai the prophet to zerubbabel the son of shealtiel governor of judah so zerubbabel is a political slash organizational leader right and then to joshua the son of jehozadak the high priest so then you have the spiritual leader so the word of the lord here first comes to the leaders so they either have the, they have the um, <clears throat> opportunity to either reject the word or to confirm it, right? So they have that opportunity. It comes to the leaders. And, and it's not because God only speaks to leaders, guys. Don't, don't hear that. It's because the leaders aren't even living right. The leaders are off, right? So the leaders are, are, are off the path that God would have them walk, 
And so it comes the leaders, and if the leaders are off, and the people are imitating the leaders and following them, then the people are going to be off. So the word of the Lord comes to Haggai, and then it goes to Zerubbabel and Joshua. And, <clears throat> and uh, this word of the Lord is God speaking, right? It's, it's Haggai hearing God and delivering that message. About a year and a half ago, just a few months before the pandemic hit uh, in, in March of last year, a few months before that, uh, the word of the Lord came uh, to us when we were in South Africa. And this, on this trip, I was just saying, God, what, what do you want for us? What are we, what are we doing? What, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? What do you want us to do next? And it came in the form of a question. And, and it came through being around other leaders. It came through the, the scriptures. And, and God said, and you'll see God likes to ask questions. We'll see that in this passage, because uh, he asked the people a question. And he asked me a question. He said, he said, are you actually making disciples who make disciples? Is Trinity Life actually doing that? And guys, that's, that's not an audible voice from God. That is just great commission. That is Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20 saying, we're to go, Jesus says, and make disciples of all nations. And, and were we doing that? Uh, were we doing that as a church? Are we doing, and, and, I, and I thought, well, kind of, sometimes, here and there. I can point there and maybe there, but as a whole, was our organization, was our, was our structure, was our form, was our, our uh, wineskin, was it, was it situated to make disciples who make disciples? And the answer was no. The answer is no. So even before the pandemic, we heard this and we were saying, okay, what do we need to do to change this up? How do we need to, to, to work this? And guys, R3, Rhythm 3, this thing that we talk about all the time now, uh, that, that started to form a year and a half ago. That started to take fruition out of this question, are we making disciples We make disciples? So guys, this, this life of living to the full extent of the gospel this, this living out the Great Commission is coming, out of, uh, is, is coming out of this question, and we just call it R3. So don't, don't get caught up in, like, in, in the new form or, or, or the, the nomenclature or anything like that. We're just calling living out the, commission, the Great Commission, helping you live out your discipleship to its fullest extent. We, we're just calling that R3. And so that's why we say, if you're not in an R3, if you're not a part of an R3 in community, accountability, in discipleship, you're really not a part of Trinity Life Church. Because now you may be, you, you may be listening to a sermon, you, you, know, you may be consuming content, and that doesn't make you part of the church because you're not in community. And so that's why we're emphasizing our threes so much. We heard a word from the Lord and we're walking forward in, in it. More on, that, more on that to come. So verse one, he says that here, he goes to the leaders, verse two. Thus says the Lord of the hosts. So then this is what he says. The Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty, he says this. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. A few things here. God says these people. Covenant language, when God uses covenant language for, for the people of God, he says my people. God is saying, these people aren't my people. 
Why? Because they're saying something opposite to what he's saying. He's saying, it's time for you to build the house. They're saying, mm, no, it's not time for us to build the house, Lord. It's not time for us to build the temple. It's not time for us to do what you want us to do. It's not time for us to, to uh, follow your reality. It's time for us to pursue our own dreams, our own wants, our own desires. It's not time for us. We don't care that it's time for you. How many of us are saying that to God? Some of you have said that, have you said that about our church? It's not time for, for me to be discipled. I don't want to be discipled. I don't need to be discipled. I've been in church all my life. I don't need that. You're saying something opposite from what God's saying for you. Because, because I'm one of the leaders of our church and I submit myself to discipleship. Right? We are mutually submitting ourselves to each other out of reverence for Christ. Um, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a beauty there. So, so when is it going to be time? If the time isn't now, when is the time? When is the proper time? God's not going to wait forever as we're going to see in this passage. This, these, these people weren't his people. And now about you as a follower of Jesus, I don't want to be on the outside of that. As someone who says I'm following Jesus, I want God to say, yeah, you are, you are my people, and I'm your God. And here, there's a distancing there. He says, these people, and he's trying to, and, he's, and, and they're saying, our time has not yet come. Uh, they say our time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And when it says they're saying that, that word in the Hebrew is a multiple occurrence. It's not just they said it once. This is a repeated refrain and excuse of the people, of, of these people. They keep on saying that, oh, God, it's not time yet. Oh, no, uh, still, it's not time yet. It's, it's not time. How long are you going to do that? You're going to stay stagnant while the rest of us are moving forward. And guys, as a church, we want to move forward together. We don't want to leave people behind. We, we want to bring you along this journey with us. Let's, let's go together in this. So, verse 2. Verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. And in verse 4, he says, uh, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? This is God saying to them. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? So not just houses. They're fancy houses. They're nice houses. They didn't just build, build a house. They, 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 they put a lot of work and effort into their own house. And is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while my own lies in ruins? Remember that word ruins here. We're going to come back to it in verse 11. Uh, but basically, it is desolated. It is dilapidated. It is in the rubble as the temple of the Lord. It is in ruins. What's, what's the big deal? The big deal is God's presence resided there. And so if they're focused on their own thing and not focused on bringing God's presence back into their midst, into their land, they're saying this is more important than you, God. And we do that all the time. Like, guys, in, in, uh, in, in our church, we can point to aspects of that. In your lives, you can point to aspects of that where we say, God, it's not time yet. We're going to focus on this over here. And, and in effect, we are excising God's presence from the very thing that uh, we're doing. And so that's what the people are doing here. 
So verse 5, he says, Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Wake up. This has this, this, has this like connotation of, of, of sleepiness or slumber. He's saying, wake up, be aware. Get out of your own myopic view of life. Get out of your own little microcosm. Take your head out of that and look around. This place is in ruins. It's desolate. The church is dying in Canada, guys. The church is dying. It is not thriving. We're barely surviving. Wake up and look around at the situation. Wake up. Consider your ways. Are you going to live on mission or are you not going to live on mission? Next term, we're going to talk a lot more about this. But, but that's the question. Are you going to live on mission or not? Wake up. Or you just be concerned with your own thing. And then have a part of church over here. Yeah, well, I go to church. Oh, yeah, I do this. Or I give money. Or I, you know, whatever your thing is. I read my Bible some, sometimes. Um, you know, whatever your thing is. And God is saying, consider your ways. Consider your ways this morning. Consider them. Be aware of them. Allow the Lord to speak into them. Allow the Lord to open your eyes. Allow the Lord to open your heart. Guys, don't close your heart off to what God wants to do in you individually and in us corporately. Be open-handed. So he says, consider your ways. Because here's your reality in verse 6. Here's your reality. Because you chose what you chose, this is your reality. Verse 6, you have sown much, but guess what? You've harvested little. You eat, but you really never have enough. You're never satisfied. You drink, but you never have your fill. Are you guys resonating with this? How many of you guys feel like this in your lives? You just do, and it's never enough. You clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages, who earns money, he does so to put him in a bag with holes. How many of you guys resonate with that? How many of you feel that, especially here in Toronto where cost of living is so high? Like these are all economic things, right? He's like, you just go and you do things and nothing's changed. Has anything changed in your life? Nothing's changed. And guys, I know a lot of us hate change. A lot of us are in change fatigue and, and our whole world has been dis disrupted. But that is a good thing if you can open your eyes, consider your ways, and, and see what God is doing. It can be a good thing. We've done that as a church. We've said, God, show us your ways. Says, this is Moses in Exodus 33. Show us your ways. Show us your glory. We'll only go where you go. And it's okay if you disrupt everything. Because I don't want to stay comfortable and complacent. I don't, want to, I don't want to just survive and then die out. And guys, the thing is here, we're thinking, not just our generation, we're thinking future generations, right? You know, the church may not completely die here in Canada in this generation. But if it stays the same way it, it is, it will. We're, just look at Europe. You, you say, well, how do you know? Look at Europe. We can see historical precedent for it. So then we're going in that way unless we allow God to disrupt unless we press into that disruption. Because as a church, individually, you might feel this, but as a church, I feel this, I see this. My God, uh, we've sown much, we've, we've harvested little. We, we do our worship services every Sunday, and well, what has that done for our city? We, 
we do, you know, fill in the blank, we do this, and, and it's like we're putting money into a bag with holes. So based on that, God says this in verse 7, the Lord of hosts, he says, again, consider your ways. Just in case you forgot that, I'm going to repeat it again a couple verses later. God says, consider your ways. Verse 8, now do this. Focus on my house. Go up to the hills, bring wood, build the house that I may take pleasure in it. We want that, right? We want God to take pleasure. This, this word in Hebrew is, is God uh, accepting a good sacrifice, a good offering, right? We want God to take pleasure to have this, right? We're the fragrance and the aroma of Christ, right? We want him to take pleasure in that. And he says, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. And now when you think about this, this isn't necessarily that God's saying, hey, glorify me, glorify me. This, this word is saying, remember God's glory and how it used to dwell and rest in the temple. I want that again. I want that again in your churches. I want that again in your homes. I want that again in the temple here, he says. I, I used to dwell there. So when, when it says he's being glorified, it means his glory, his Shekinah glory, as uh, in the Hebrew would say, his glory is resting there in the temple. Right, this is the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire that led the Israelites through the desert, through the wilderness, right? That would rest in the tabernacle, then rest in the temple. So, so he's saying, you got to build this. You want me to be in your presence. I'm, I'm, this is my dwelling place. And guys, that's, we, we say, okay, well, that's Old Testament. No, here's the New Testament reality for us. Here's, here's the Jesus reality for us in this. Um, the messianic reality is this, Ephesians 2 Verse 19, he says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Remember, the people here, they've just come out of exile. The people have left Babylonian exile. They've come into, uh, they've, they've, they've come into this and, um, and that's why they're rebuilding their houses. And God says, start with, start with my house first. Uh, but they forgot, guys. They, they forgot Psalm 37 that says, delight yourself in the Lord first. There's a crucial ordering there. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But first, delight yourself in the Lord. And so this is Ephesians. This is going back to Ephesians 2. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the house of God the household of God, built on the foundation of who? The apostles and those guys, the prophets, Haggai. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into what? A holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. So here, when we talk about the temple, when we talk about the house of God, and we, and we apply it to today, we are the temple. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, guys. That's the church. You individually, you are also a temple of the Holy Spirit where the Spirit dwells in you. And us collectively, we are this temple. God wants to be glorified in our church, guys. He wants to take pleasure in it. He wants to dwell here. And he's building us up into one body, into a holy temple where he can dwell. And do we want that? And you might say, well, I do want that, but I want it the old way, or I want it a different way. Well, that's not where our church is. 
If you want an old way, a different way, there's other churches you can, you can find that in. But we are moving forward in the gale of the Holy Spirit to do what God has asked us to do. And we want you to come along with that. Now, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of risks of faith and boldness. But you knew when you came to Trinity Life, that's what you're signing up for. That is one of our core values is boldness, is spirit-led movement and initiative. So we are going to do that together. And he says in verse 9, he says, You looked for much, and behold... That word behold in the Hebrew is like a slap in the face when you see it as you're reading Hebrew. Uh, he says, and behold, so wake up, it came to little. You were in exile, and you started to come back, and you thought it was going to be better, didn't you? You thought it was going to be great. You thought it was going to look different, but it came to little. And when you brought it home, when you brought it to the promised land, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord? Because of my house that lies in ruins. Because you chose that to happen. Because you chose to focus on your own dreams. You chose to focus on your own desires, on your own wants, on your own needs. Instead of delighting in me who rescued you out of exile. And my house lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with that house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, the earth has withheld its produce, and I've called for a drought on the land and on the hills. Guys, all that is covenant language. You know, what Haggai says here, all those things were, were, were Moses prophesied were going to happen if they disobeyed God, if they forsook God. All these things, all this is covenant language. The people agreed to this way back in Deuteronomy. So it's not, they knew it was going to happen if they chose wrongly, if they chose poorly. They knew it was coming. So you can go back to Deuteronomy and see all of this. And Haggai says, this is, this is the fruition of your dreams. God's reality is so much greater than this. But you chase your dreams, and this is the fruition of it. This word for busies himself on your own houses, on your own homes. This word, and, and let, let me just say this real quick. It's not that they weren't supposed to build houses and shelter. I mean, where were they going to live? But they were only doing that. They were focused on that. They were consumed by it. What are you consumed by? What, what takes all of your attention? What, what, what do you... What do you think about most? What are you worried about? What, what brings you anxiety? That's what you're consumed by. So they were doing that. And this word for busy means, means to run, literally. It means to run. So they were running themselves. Because you feel like that. You feel like you're just running and running and running and getting nowhere. You feel like like we talked about before, you're, you're sowing much but harvesting little. You feel like nothing I do actually gains traction. God is saying, I want to help you get out of that. I want to help you get out of that today. I want to help your church get out of that. Because there's a way out. We, we have a, a member in our family. Uh, my son, his name is Nugget. 
Uh, he's a he's a hamster, and um, we have some resemblance. I mean, he has a lot of energy, and um, and he's super smart, guys. Uh, and I know all parents say that about their kids, but you know it's it's true. He's he's really smart, um, and uh, he has a hamster wheel, and. This wheel is in his cage. It's built in his cage. It's, uh, I mean, he has a home gym right, right in his cage. I mean, he's, he's pampered. Uh, so he runs on the wheel, right? Because hamsters need to run around a lot. They have a lot of energy. Um, so he runs on the wheel. Well, he stopped doing that. He's just like, uh, that's not for me. And so he doesn't run on it anymore. And I started to think, why? Because um, I think he figured out He's not going anywhere. Like he's just running and running, and he's still in the same spot. And so we got him a little ball, a little hamster ball, and we put him in the ball. And so now he can run wherever he wants to, right? But the thing is, he can't. He's stuck in a ball. So he's more free, and he can run around and, and do his thing, but uh, he's not actually free. He's in a ball, right? So he's, he can't go onto the couch where he, where he loves it. He can't uh, go out of the, the dining room uh, because he can't get out of the carpet in the living room. So there's only a few places he can go. So we've res it, even the ball has restricted his movement, and the ball, of course, has restricted himself. So guess what he did? He figured out how to get out of the ball. I got, and I, at first I thought it was a fluke. I thought, okay, we must have left it open or it wasn't, it wasn't closed all the way. So we put him back in and he did it again. And I thought, okay, I still think it's a fluke. I'm gonna watch him the third time. And as I watched him, he knew exactly where to go, exactly where to put his paws, put his little tiny baby nose and push it open and squeeze out. And I'm like <laughs> shocked um, that he's that smart and he can get out of his ball. Because he figured out he's not going anywhere in that ball. And you know where the first place he goes when he gets out of the ball? To his favorite place, under the couch, by the curtains, and, and all that stuff. Um, guys, we're just like that. You know, I thought when we started Trinity Life Church, uh, you know, we. Missy and I, we came from, from traditional type churches and, and uh, I thought, okay, we're just running on that hamster wheel. Now, we are, now, now I thought we were free. Like we're planted this church and, and we can set our own culture, things like that, we're, we're free. But we were really just in the ball. We were just in the ball. We weren't really free of the old church structure, old church framework. We're in the old wineskin. We're in the ball. And it felt like freedom, but we're still restricted. And I, was, and I just felt frustration and like, oh God, why, are we, why do we do these things? Why do we do this? Why do we do that? And started, started asking God all these questions like, what is the purpose of this? Should we change this? What do you want for us here? Just open my eyes, open my mind, open my heart, Lord. And guys, this, this last season, He's shown us how to get out of the ball. We've figured out, if we put our hands here, stick our noses in there, 
we can get out of it. Problem though is, the ball is secure. Problem is, in my cage, those people give me food. They give me water. They even clean my cage and all the mess that I make. And so we all feel like we would just want to go back to Egypt. I was better there, Moses. I remember those old Trinity Life days. It was better. It was better there. Because God is giving us a vision of something more beautiful, more grand. He's releasing us from the ball. And it's scary. And it's wide open. But it's the adventure we've been living as Trinity Life Church since the beginning. And I'm excited about where God is leading us. There's celebration in there. There's, yes, God did some good things, but yes, God is going to do some great, amazing things. And here he ends on this drought in the land. And I think, guys, I don't want that drought. That word there connects as a wordplay on ruins. And he says, if you're going to leave my house in ruins, back in verse 2, so 2 or 4, he says, he says uh, in verse 4, he says, if you're going to leave my house in ruins, well, your house is going to be in drought, your land. And, and those words are very similar in Hebrew. Um, and so there's a, an inclusio wordplay there where he says, you've chosen that. And guys, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm tired of the drought. I don't want to live in the drought. I don't want to choose those things. I want God's reality to disrupt my dreams because I believe God's reality is greater than anything we could dream up. And he says, I'm going to withhold the new wine. Guys, we want the new wine. But in order to see the new wine, we have to have a new wineskin. We have to have a new form. We have to have a new container. Because Jesus says, if we don't have a new wineskin for new wine, the old wineskin will just burst and we'll waste the new wine. That'll be just on the floor. And so this apostolic, prophetic, pastoral moment for us, this teaching moment, is for us to gather together, to do this together, to hear the word of the Lord together, and to go forward so that we can receive new wine in a new wineskin, because God's reality is greater than our dreams. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your example in this. Father, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for leading us, for guiding us. We do not want to go where you haven't gone. We only want to follow you. And so show us your glory. We are your dwelling place. And we want you to be satisfied and take pleasure in that. And so lead us well in the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.